Welcome in to the Steelers Fix podcast. It's Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar with you, as always, here on this podcast where we break down the Pittsburgh Steelers from a roster building and personnel standpoint. And Andrew, it is our season, man. When we're talking about uh, roster building and and the management of of the team and and all of those types of things, when as soon as the off season hits, man, we roll into another gear here. And that's not that we don't enjoy the season we do we uh, that's that's where it all comes together and you see the the building process come together but now we're building again it's time to uh to add more talent to this roster to break away from some of the players that may be dragging it it down it and coaches as well and we've seen the Steelers make some of those moves but before we get into it, Andrew, just want to see how you're doing today. Uh, I know we're we're recording Monday night a little bit later than normal, but it's all right. We're getting it done, and you guys will uh, get this on Tuesday at noon and, and thereafter. So, Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing well. The semester is kicked off solid. I've got a decent bit of homework that is due tomorrow. Well, it'll be today for those of you listening. Uh, so, I've got it's gonna be a pretty late night, but you know it's. It's still early in the semester. It's going to be a good, I think it's going to be a really good semester to start a new job uh, elsewhere. So I think that's going to, I think it's going to be good in the long haul, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good time. Just enjoying watching po- some postseason football. I've, yep. I, the, the draft, like obviously the draft is picking up. I mean, Mel Kuyper's first mock draft comes out Tuesday morning and there's a lot of buzz surrounding everything from senior bowl, to, uh, just yep. the draft in general, like the interest is starting to pick up. And I, I think for a team like the Steelers, when we don't really know what direction the team is going to go for sure, it just adds that much more intrigue because nothing is off the table at this point. And that allows you to just sit back and enjoy it all. Absolutely. And what we're going to do on this show is we're going to take a first look at the 2024 NFL draft. We're just going to go over some position groups that we think are strong, maybe some that we think are weak this year and how the Steelers can best attack it. Just general basic uh 30,000 foot view, if you will, of the NFL draft. Uh, But before we dive into that, Andrew, um, it it was an exciting divisional round of games. Um, You know, you had uh, you had close games in basically every one, at least through the first half before uh, teams like the Ravens and the Lions kind of separated themselves from their opponents. Um, And even in the Lions game, the the uh, Buccaneers uh, were within a score. Uh, late in the fourth quarter so you had a chance there and so uh, very good games and I think that you've got four teams that uh, would would we be surprised if any of those four uh, made it to the Super Bowl I don't think so at this point Um, they're playing well and they deserve to be here Uh, Lions and and Niners on the NFC side that is a, a fantastic matchup I'm looking forward to that one and then Chiefs and Ravens. Who would have thought the Chiefs would make it here, Andrew, to the AFC Championship? But then again, it's Patrick Mahomes, and he doesn't do anything but play in AFC Championship games. So why not make it six in a row for the uh, insane talent? Uh, and and we'll see how it all plays out. But Andrew, I just want to get your thoughts on these games real quick, and uh, who you, who you think uh, will be representing each conference in the Super Bowl uh, in just a few weeks? I have. 
definite ways that I'm rooting in both of these games for obvious yes. reasons. And with Kansas City, I, I mean, we, we had done our predictions a while back as to who we thought was going to go all the way. And I still pick Kansas City because Mahomes yep. just has – nobody can figure out Patrick playoff Patrick Mahomes. They, they just yep. cannot figure him out. And for the sake of Baltimore not getting in, I really hope that they can pull it off one more time and knock Lamar Jackson out of the playoffs. I would hate to see another Baltimore San Francisco Super Bowl. I really would. Because then, yeah. like, how do you how do you go in that game? Like, I, I cannot stand either franchise. So, I that would be a difficult game to watch. But the Lions, it, it almost sounds like a meme, like a living meme. Like, we're actually talking about the Detroit Lions might be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, right. have been waiting a lifetime for this. <laughs> Like this is it's just like hard to fathom. Like the Lions could legitimately be in the Super Bowl this time when we're talking next week. That's just insane to think yeah. about. But I would love to see. It. I mean, the city of Detroit is going to get burned down if the Detroit Lions go to the Super Bowl or win it. And it's not that they win yeah. it. There will be no city of Detroit after that. <laughs> it's too impossible to believe. Yeah, the state of Michigan might melt into apocalypse because <laughs> Michigan wins the national championship and Detroit goes and wins the Super Bowl. That's that's insanity for fan bases that have been starved for those titles for years. At, th- at that point, I'm assuming that the Pistons make this amazing run in the second half and just light the yeah. world on fire. And oh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, are are the Red Wings any good this year, Andrew? And what do you honestly? I have not looked. <laughs> I follow the Penguins pretty closely, but uh, not much else when it comes to the NHL until the playoffs in that regard. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right that. Um, you know, Kansas City, I'm going to be rooting for them this week, but uh, I'm really, really hoping for a KC Detroit uh, Super Bowl matchup. Uh, and you know, the biggest reason why, Andrew, because I am absolutely exhausted and tired of the conspiracy theories of, oh, the Super Bowl colors are purple and red, and it's definitely going to be the, the Ravens and the 49ers this year. And it's like, just send at least one team that it doesn't match, you know, into the Super Bowl. And, and the best way to do that is just eliminate the Ravens because there are no other purple teams for good reason. Hey, Purple's man. just an, an awful football color. It doesn't right. work, uh, you know, and that's my unbiased, completely unbiased uh, Pittsburgh Steeler fan opinion here. Um, Andrew, I'm going to say this. Uh, I think that the Lions are going to be up for the challenge. Um and I am very worried about Brock Purdy. And I know a lot of people said, well, all the headlines coming out of the, the divisional round where Brock Purdy proved everything he needed to with the game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. I mean, if you're San Francisco and you're looking at this Green Bay Packers team, that, that Packers defense was not one that should have given them as much trouble as they got. And for three and a half quarters, Brock Purdy looked like a bottom – 10 quarterback in the NFL. He couldn't hit anything. Um, It wasn't working. Guys were open and he was missing it. The pressure was getting to him uh, of the moment. And then, yeah, he had a good final drive. You can't deny that he came through when it counted, but there were still plenty of moments that give you a lot of, of skepticism going into this game. That being said, I do think the 49ers are kind of, they're going to be more ready for this because they've been here, done that. Um, the Brock Purdy, not necessarily because he missed last year's NFC championship with an injury. Uh, so it's going to be new for him, but Kyle Shanahan's been there. Um, Steve Wilkes and this defense have been in this position before. Uh, it, it is, it just feels like a game that the 49ers kind of 
end up they're going to end up winning it, I think. And um, you know, I think the Lions are game, uh, and I uh, hope for uh, their sake that they win this game. But I'm going to pick the the 49ers, um, and I'm going to go ahead and pick the Chiefs because what can you do but say Patrick Mahomes just knows how to do it in the postseason. And we've seen the crumble act from Lamar Jackson and company before. Uh, if you're looking at history um, and, and what these teams at their best can be in the postseason, I'm you got to take Kansas City. But the other side of that fact is that the Ravens have clearly been the best team in the league all year. Can they keep it up for one more week just to get to the Super Bowl? I'm going to pick the the Chiefs. Maybe that's my heart more than my head a little bit here, but I think it's there's definitely a an option to see that. Who are your picks for this week? I'm going to go with Kansas City as well, just because I've stuck with it for all this time. I'm not going to change it now. The inner fan in me really worries that we are going to get everything against me just because it seems like games always go the wrong direction in the playoffs. But I'm I'm going to go with Kansas City. I I think that you have a proven product, even though going to Baltimore, I know that the announced the commentators were really pushing up the atmosphere in Baltimore, but yeah, Kansas City's used to playing in Arrowhead. They know what a good atmosphere is like, and I think they know how to handle it. I'm going to take Kansas City in a close game. And the NFC, this is this is the hard part because it is hard for me. Like, do I want yeah. to go? I so badly want to pick the hometown team. San Francisco needs Debo Samuel to be healthy in this game, I will say. Absolutely. If Debo Samuel is healthy and 100%, he, the combination of him and Ayuk are going to give this line secondary fits. Yep. But I know that he didn't, there wasn't a complete tear in that shoulder, but it did look like a significant injury. And it's something they're getting from throughout the week. Cameron Sutton, while has, he has had his share of ups and downs this year, he has, he matches up well against Brandon Ayuk from a size perspective, from a play style perspective. Debo Samuel is a different animal, though. His versatility, the way he moves around the field, the Lions don't have a for sure guy. Do you put Ethiopia Melifanu on him? You don't really have any great CB2s. Kendall Vildor would get eaten alive just because of size. Debo's an over, yeah. a bigger size slot guy. I don't know if they have the answer for Debo. So with Debo's situation unknown, I wish I could put a disclaimer on it and say, if Debo plays, 49ers win. If they lose, Lions win. I picked San Francisco and Kansas City when we did our last recap yeah. video. But I'm going to change it. The Detroit Lions hey, are going I to go to the Super Bowl, and I am, for the first time in my life, going to buy a shirt of another team that is not the Pittsburgh Steelers to wear on Super Bowl Sunday. You know what? Um, I do not blame you at all. And, you know, I've moved around enough my whole life uh, with my dad being in the military where I can't really call any one town like my hometown. I I don't have, um, you know, that, I guess you could say Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, but they don't have a football team, <laughs> you know, the, the South Dakota, what would you call that team? I don't know. Um, there's not enough people to fill a stadium in, in half of South Dakota. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things uh, where I'm, I'm Steelers or bust in a lot of ways. Um, uh, so I, it's not like I live in North Carolina now. It's not like I would buy a Panthers shirt if they made it to the Super Bowl. Right. But yeah, I can definitely understand that for you growing up in Michigan. That's your whole life. You you've uh, being a Steelers fan, obviously, uh, it's a little different perspective, but you've been around the those people your entire life who have been waiting and waiting for this moment. So absolutely do it, man. I don't think anyone can fault you. At least it's an NFC team, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't do anything that rivals the Steelers, but yeah, yeah absolutely. That's not going to harm us. Absolutely. Uh, one thing we do need to do, Andrew, before uh, 
before we move on is uh, you and I, we, we both kind of have to take an L here because um, the San Francisco 49ers, um, when we were picturing their outlook this season, uh, I think you and I were both kind of down on this team. And we yeah. did not think that they had the horses this year to be one of the top teams in the league. And, um, you know, it, it's just going to, to prove uh, and it's going to keep doing it every year that you either to be a, a truly great team, you either have to have a transcendent offensive scheme or a transcendent quarterback. And some teams are blessed with both. I'd say the Kansas city chiefs have both, but in San Francisco's case, we, we underestimated what Kyle Shanahan could do with Brock Purdy and company in this offense. And they've been elite all year and the defense has played pretty well as well outside of their three game losing skid in the middle of the season. But uh, I'm definitely taking an L on that one. I thought that this team might miss the playoffs. Uh, I think I projected them as, as a barely making it in the wild card and the Seattle Seahawks winning the division couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, And so I'm taking an L there. uh, And Andrew, I know you were kind of on board that train as well. So uh, it's an L fest for us in this segment here, but let's move on real quick before we go to the break and just get a little bit of news out of the way. The uh, Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian uh, Callahan, it, it really, it looks like he is going to be heading to Tennessee as their next head coach. And so that leaves now three of the four AFC North teams without an offensive coordinator. And I know in Cleveland and Cincinnati, the head coaches kind of run the offenses. So the OCs are more supplementary pieces to that, but still three or four teams in the AFC North needing new offensive coordinators. That's a lot of, of jumbling in that division in one of the most important um, positions on a coaching staff. So something to keep an eye on there. Um, do you have any thoughts on Brian Callahan and what do you think he can be at the next level as a head coach? I think it's a good fit. Will Levis is going to need to be a absolutely inefficient passer inside the pocket. And he's not going to be able to use his legs. He can't be reckless with his body like he was in college. He's got to take care of his body. And when you look at the guys that he's helped from Joe Burrow to even Peyton Manning to all the guys in between that he's worked with, Matthew Stafford, other guys, he's he's a proven, he has a proven track record. And even if you look at what the Bengals did with Jake Browning this past year. I think that it was incredible what they did. Uh, making minor changes to the offense while not changing the entire scheme just to fit what worked for Jake Browning and just helping him develop, even though he'd been in the league for a couple of years already. So I, I think that that I, I think that this is a really good fit. I wasn't a big fan of Brian Callahan for head coach in general, but for what Will Levis needs, I think Brian Callahan can bring that. And with an offense that's kind of be kind of in that state of flux transition with what's going to happen with Derrick Henry, what's going to happen with some of their older pieces, I think he's the right guy to bridge that gap and take the Titans into this new era and, for their sake, maybe lead them to uh, playoffs in the near future. Yeah, I like the hire, too. Um, you know, Brian Callahan, is he's well-respected in the league. He's been around for a while, and I think that that is a good fit. And it is a 180 from what the Titans had before. And that's what their ownership had really made clear is that they wanted to flip the script a little bit there. We'll see how it plays out for them. We're going to go ahead and take our break. When we come back, we've got some Steelers news that we're going to talk about just briefly. And then we're going to dive into our uh, 30,000 foot view of the 2024 NFL draft. So don't go anywhere. The Steelers fix will be right back. 
Welcome back to the Steelers Fix. It's Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar here with you. We are talking NFL draft, but before we get there, Andrew, the Pittsburgh Steelers made some news on Monday uh, as one of the one of a couple teams that put their names in the hat to interview an offensive coordinator candidate, uh, and that person is Zach Robinson from the Los Angeles Rams. Andrew, I know that that got me excited, not necessarily because I hope they hire Zach Robinson specifically, but because it shows that they are looking in the right direction as far as offensive coordinator goes. They're looking in the right tree, that um, they're in the right church. What's the saying? Right church, wrong pew sometimes. Uh, We'll see how it it plays out. Um, They're in the right church. (laughs) They are uh, looking in the right direction, and it's outside the organization, obviously, it's coming from a, a system that is proven to be successful. Um, there, there are some some interesting things about Zach Robinson. Uh, one of those being, much like Bobby Slowick, he used to work for PFF. I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, um, three years in McVeigh's offense as the passing game coordinator and um, very hands on in that role um, and in that offense. Very intriguing, and uh, yes, it's the very first ask. It's highly unlikely that he were to even uh, get the job uh, anytime soon if he is one of the top candidates, Uh, but I'm sure we're going to see more interview requests coming in. But Andrew, Zach Robinson, how do you feel about uh, this initial move here by the Steelers and uh, the direction of their interest? I I like what you said about the direction. They're in the right direction. I still need to become more familiarized with Zach Robinson in general. But I, one thing I would find interesting, if the Steelers really wanted to do a pricey, spicy signee at the quarterback position this offseason, I wouldn't rule out the idea of Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Because Robinson had a fa- was a factor in Baker Mayfield's turnaround. Remember, the Rams had him for a short stint last season. He ended up coming in when they had the injuries to Walford and to Baker Ma- to Matthew Stafford. Mayfield came in and played pretty well in that short period of time. And that's really what gave the Buccaneers reason to give him at least a prove it deal to where he could get back to the point where it's like, okay, Baker Mayfield is a starting NFL quarterback again. I don't know if the Steelers would be willing to spend that much money. He's probably going to get a decent contract by the Buccaneers. My assumption is he's going to stay in Tampa Bay. They're going to try to keep him. But if for some reason he does become available, I wouldn't rule that out if Robinson becomes the OC, just putting that dot connecting those dots. And I think that's the one thing that really works in Robinson's favor is what he did in the assisting of bringing Baker Mayfield back from the dead. And so we'll see what happens, but I agree with what you said. They're looking in the right tree. Hopefully they keep looking in the same direction. Yeah. And I I thought it was interesting. If I remember correctly, um, he, he was uh, one of Andrew Luck's coaches at Stanford in Mm -hmm. college and then when he was drafted by the Colts, they actually brought him up with luck <laughs> to the Colts. And he so he's worked with with quarterbacks, yeah. um, kind of a quarterback whisperer type, if you will. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's been one of those things where in, in each of his stops, he's kind of been uh, brought in to help out a quarterback. He was also instrumental in Justin Herbert's rookie season in the NFL. Yeah. I believe he was his quarterback's coach. So. Those are very intriguing uh, points on his resume that I think uh, should get Steelers fans excited. 
Um, I, I know that some outlets um, that cover the Steelers have him as a top two or three option for offensive coordinator. Um, and he looks the part. I mean, he, he uh, as far as resume goes and what you see on the field from really a, a Rams team that defied expectations. And the other intriguing factor, I know he's got, you know, it's a lot about the quarterback with him, but look at what his passing game did with Puka Nakua this season, a fifth round draft pick that, I mean, if anything, uh, my biggest wish for offensive coordinators uh, is a guy who can come in and see the talent that's actually on the field and utilize it to the best uh, of their own abilities uh, individually. And we saw that in fruition in LA with how Puka Nakua was used this, this last year that should get Steelers fans excited as well. We'll see how it continues to play out. There's going to be a lot more interviews to come. And uh, uh, I'm sure that the Pittsburgh Steelers like they do with most things will take their time a little bit more than some other organizations when making a decision of this magnitude. Andrew, let's transfer our thoughts here to the NFL draft. It is coming up. It's going to be here faster than we, um, than we think it will. It, it, you know, it's right around the corner. You've got the senior bowl in just a couple weeks. You've got, you know, shrine bowl. And then the, uh, I mean, good grief. The NFL combine is a little over a month away. It's coming up really fast. Um, and so there's, there's a lot to dissect here. Um, let's, let's do it from this angle, Andrew, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, we've already kind of talked through some of their different needs that they're going to have this off season. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be, uh, needing corner. They're going to be needing strong safety. They're going to need some linebacker help. If you're looking at the defensive side, um, and, and then on offense, what do they do at quarterback? Um, you know, what are they going to do along the offensive line? There's some questions there. So kind of keeping those positions in mind here, Let's take a look at some of the position groups that uh, look pretty strong going into this season uh, or going into this draft class at the Steelers positions of need. Um, and then let's also, if there are any that stand out to you as, as rather weak as well, let's do that as well. But I'll let you start opening up with a position group that you think is pretty strong. I'm going to go with wide receiver. I think that's the okay. number one place okay. to go in this draft. You have so so many guys and you have a little bit of everything in this draft you don't yep. have just one type of receiver and you have size in this draft a lot of these guys that are first second round picks they're six foot three six foot four wide receivers marvin harrison jr six three six four malik neighbors maybe the one exception he's a guy who i think you can make an argument after roma dunze's performance in the national championship game you could argue that he could be above Odunze. I'm not the biggest fan of either of those receivers. Not that I don't think they're going to be good, but just because of the depth, I couldn't justify taking them with a top seven pick. Whereas I could get a guy like Malik Neighbors' teammate, Brian Thomas Jr., maybe the mid yeah. to late first round. He could even fall into the early second round in a draft like this, which is incredible to think about. Keon Coleman is a guy I really like. He has incredible talent, great yes. body control, has a huge catch radius. I love Keon Coleman, his upside. Troy Franklin, a lot of people are really liking him. I'm not quite as high on him yet. I need to watch more. Xavier yeah. Leggett is a guy who I mocked to Kansas City in the first round. I think he'd be a great fit there. He was clocked, I think, at like 23 miles per hour, something like that, uh, as fast as speed. And the, the guy moves, and he's 225 pounds too. So he's not, he's not a tiny receiver. He moves fast. And you know, I, I would say Leggett and Brian Thomas are two names to watch. Sleepers in the first round. Not a whole lot of people are talking about them. But they have the chance to be those height, weight, speed combo guys that, yes, there is a bust 
factor that could be involved and could affect their draft stock because they're not completely polished wide receivers, but their upside is as high as about anybody in the draft outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. Absolutely. Um, you know, there are so many intriguing prospects too, as you get further down the list. I mean, um, Keon Coleman's teammate, um, Wilson, the six foot seven, uh, 230 pound receiver. He can run too. It's not like Kelvin Benjamin coming back (laughs) on this team. You know, that's a, that was a different uh, type of receiver. Uh, I mean, you just got all, all, all shapes and sizes this year, all speeds. And um, you know, there's a lot to work with. Uh, It is absolutely a big draft for wide receivers. I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball as well when I look at position groups of strength and I'm looking at offensive tackle yeah, and I see a ton of starting caliber offensive tackles in this draft and uh, that's going to be one of those positions that you're going to you're going to see a few guys taken early and then probably some teams pass and wait on those guys in the middle of the of the draft because they're of the first round because they're going to be like I can get a, a good offensive tackle later let me go ahead and get uh, something else here that's a little less uh, strong, less deep. Um, but man, I mean, you've got you've got maybe eight or nine guys that c- could be considered first round consideration, and maybe more as the draft process continues to climb. Here, a lot of Steeler fans are already looking at Amarius Mims out of Georgia, who would have been Broderick Jones's teammate. That dude is huge, Andrew, six foot seven, three hundred and thirty pounds and plays right tackle, I mean, it would be a perfect fit. I I don't think you could be upset if that was the direction that the Steelers look to go here. But when you look at offensive linemen here, the tackles specifically stand out. Uh, There's some good guards and centers as well, but uh, those are tend to be a little shallower as it is. Uh, The offensive tackle class looks really good to me. Anybody else stand out to you from this tackle tackle group, man? Yeah, we mentioned Talisa Puaga a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm not quite on the J.C. Latham bandwagon. He struggled at times throughout the year, a little bit inconsistent, may need to drop a little bit of weight. Uh, You mentioned Mims, not super experienced, but in the tape he's put out, he's been solid. Uh, Jordan Morgan uh, is a guy that not a whole lot of people are talking about. I'm going to give – I'm going to hold on that sleeper. If we get to the interior offensive line, I'm going to hold on that one. But Kingsley Suamatia is another guy who is projected to be a first-round pick at one point, kind of falling off the radar, but still has some decent physical traits. 6'6", 328, has a really long wingspan. Uh, He's a solid, balanced player. Uh, He can do a little bit of both. He's not elite in any one area, but he does a lot of things really well. I think he's going to be a good starting tackle in the NFL. Maybe a team decides to move him to the right side. Uh, But – yeah, like you say, you nailed it. There's the, the, there's a need for good offensive tackles yes. in the league. And you're talking a quarter of the first round could just be entirely offensive tackles. I'm excited for that because that's good for yeah. the league. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. And it's good for uh, – we, we saw more quarterback injuries this year than we ever have, yeah. Andrew. And that is not good for the NFL, quarterback injuries. So uh, that's the other thing here is that teams are going to invest in protecting these guys more than they ever have as well, whether that's – through scheme or through, um, you know, guys who can get open quick uh, or protection, it's going to be in in that type of regard here. So uh, a lot to look at here. Um, go ahead and, and kind of uh, throw out maybe an offensive position group, Andrew, that you uh, aren't as high on as far as the depth. As far as the depth, I would honestly say quarterback. The depth okay. I don't think is as good this year. I, I think – 
that overall, just from a broad perspective, we talked about how this draft is so much better than last year's in every way, shape, or form. And I, I think quarterback is one position where you could argue last year's depth was better than this year's. Yeah. Um, outside of the top guys, I'm sure there'll be someone that will fall in love with during the draft process. That's that late round pick that will get drafted two rounds ahead of what we expect because of the recency bias that so many teams will have of Brock Purdy and all these guys who came in and did solid jobs filling in as backups. But I think the depth, even in the first round depth, isn't that great. You have Ewers returning to school. You had Shadur Sanders returning to school. It had the chance to be fantastic, a legendary class. (laughs) It's not that anymore. And there's going to be a lot of teams that need a quarterback and aren't going to be able to get one in the first round without seriously reaching for someone. McCarthy's, I think he, you know, if he's gone, he goes first. Um, you're talking, you're talking about a lot of guys that in most drafts would probably be taken a good 10 to 20 picks later than what they will in this year's draft. And it's, it's just, it's where it's going back to the days of 2016. I think of the year Paxton Lynch went into the first round it was the Jared Goff Carson Wentz year. That wasn't a great quarterback class at all, but quarterbacks got pushed up the board because yeah. at that time, the need for the league was great. Then you had the 2017 class when you had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And Dak, you had all these guys. Well, you had Dak Prescott later in that 2016 draft. And then in 2018, you had the year with the Josh Allen and the Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Okay, now we're getting a, some quarterback talent in here. And that trend has kind of continued up yeah. until 2022 when the Steelers took Kenny Pickett. And that wasn't a great quarterback class. This year, Bryce Young didn't live up to expectations. You had some quarterbacks that are still a work in progress. This year, you have some guys who have the potential to be elite quarterbacks, but there's not the quantity that I think we all expected to be in this class. So I would say a position that I'm a little not so high on would be quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with with that too much. There's there's a very clear drop off from the first couple guys to the rest of the yeah. field. Um, but I, I, I can't leave this conversation without saying that I do have a draft crush at quarterback already. And um, this is a guy that is absolutely going to be taken uh, a couple rounds earlier than he probably should be with as raw as he is. But that dude is Joe Milton from Tennessee. Uh, uh, he's he's going to test out of this world if he decides to test. Um, th- people are going to be pegging him as a a raw version of Josh Allen. That's what they're going to be doing uh, because of how he plays ball. You look at his highlight reel and it's the same exact type of stuff. And literally the guy can probably throw it from one end zone to the other. Uh, that's how strong this guy's arm is. It's insane. Um, and Andrew, I'm I'm looking back through recent history here and you don't see quarterbacks under about 6'3 or 6'4 and under about 200. 30 pounds that have a lot of success in the NFL uh, on a regular basis. Look at all the best uh, young quarterbacks of the last few years. You've got Patrick Mahomes, who's not the the biggest guy, but he's at least a prototypical size quarterback. If you will, Uh, you've got Josh Allen, you've got Justin Herbert, uh, you've got uh, CJ Stroud and you know, all these guys that, that stand out to you as bigger athletic quarterbacks and, and that's the mold that i would what would want the steelers to move into uh if they're going to draft a quarterback this year um it if i was picking number one overall i'd be taking drake may over caleb williams um and that's because i think the size factor plays into that a lot um and it is a huge deal at the nfl level um so 
I'm looking at this quarterback class and I see a lot of 6'1, 6'2, 210, 217, 220. And that scares me a little bit. Uh, those those guys typically rely on um, intangibles other than, you know, the the solid tangible things like arm talent and physical ability and an ability to stand in the pocket and take the hit things that really stand out to you about the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And so uh, it, it, it is one of those draft classes to me where there's just a few guys that I would actually like to see in the black and gold. And a, most of them are going to be selected way higher than the Steelers would have priority for. But if you're looking third or fourth round for a guy like Joe Milton, um, if he's still there, that could be intriguing to me. Yeah. Joe Milton is interesting. I know him well from his days at Michigan and the man has so much talent. If he reaches his full potential, he's Cam Newton. He is Cam Newton. And that was who he modeled his game after. I don't know what it was with Michigan's scheme or what it, good it was with Tennessee's scheme that changed him. But like his accuracy greatly improved this past year. Yeah. He, he still needs a little bit more work on getting through his reads, his progressions. A lot of times if his first look's not there, he looks to run. And that's a common issue with dual threat quarterbacks. But the, like you said, the talent is through the roof with Joe Milton. I, I would I would just throw it out there that if Joe Milton has as good a combine as we think he is capable of, yeah, I would not rule out the fact of him going late first round. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. That, that didn't get their guy in the first round. They wanted Drake May. They wanted Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels ends up going top two, top three, and they're they're stuck without picking. They're picking in that first five to ten picks in the second round. Well, we like this guy, Joe Milton. He's he's got a whole lot more work. He's far yeah. from a sure thing. But when he reaches his full upside, we're getting the practically the same guy, the same upside that we were looking for in our first round pick. So why not just re- move up and get the fifth year option with them? It's going to take a lot during the draft process for that to happen. But I'm just saying right now, we've seen stranger things happen. Quarterbacks are going to get pushed up in this draft. What if you're the New England Patriots and you're picking third and you're probably going to miss out on Williams and May. And so you go get Marvin Harrison in the first round and then you're sitting at the very, very start of the second. Maybe you wait and take a Joe Milton there or maybe trade back up in the first round um, and they're going to have a new head coach. He's going to want to make a splash. Um, a new GM as well. I, I mean, this is, uh, uh, sorry, Gerard Mayo is already hired there and they're going to, you know, need a uh, GM and everything. And it's going to be yeah. a new staff. They're uh, going to be working with that. And what better way to make a splash than go get a guy who, yeah, he's going to be a little bit of a project, but you don't have literally anything else at quarterback on your team, uh, go out and make a play there and at least get your fan base excited. That could be something that the Patriots look to do. Um, and then if that happens, sorry, Joe Milton, I can't root for you anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm going to say running back is my position that I'm not too high on the, in this draft class on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not saying the Steelers need a running back. Uh, but I, you know, there's some versatility down the line. So you can get a guy in the later, latter portion of the draft and undrafted free agency that has some talent, but it just doesn't wow me. Um, and maybe that's because. I know the Steelers probably aren't looking that direction. And so I, you know, don't haven't spent a lot of time on the top, top guys, but it just doesn't seem like there's too many in this draft class that really stand right. out to you. Um, Andrew, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball though. Cause there, there's a lot of needs on defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think cornerback inside linebacker, strong safety. You could even say defensive line. When you think about the fact that Cam Hayward is 
um, you know, or was actively contemplating retirement <laughs> this uh, after the Bills game. And uh, yes, he's going to come back, but he's uh, obviously aging. Um, who knows what the Steelers are going to do with Larry Ogunjobi and, uh, you know, some of the other free, uh, guys that would potentially be free agents or cut candidates along the defensive line. Um, so there's a lot of position groups on defense that the Steelers could likely target. Um, so Andrew, where, where would you go as far as a really strong, a really deep defensive position? I would go with corner. There is yeah. no, there's no Derek Stingley. There's no that guy. There's no Denzel Ward. There's no, I would, I would even say there's no Joey Porter jr. I mean, we had him at, I put him at five on the big board last year. I thought he's the best player in the draft. There's, there were a lot of good corners in last year, Jeff, but I think it's even deeper this year. You just don't have that guy. I don't, I don't, I don't right now. I don't think I could justify taking a corner in the top 10 picks in this draft. Yeah, I couldn't, but you have a lot of guys. You have Cooper DeGene. If you're a zone guy, he's going to attract a lot of zone teams. Nate Wiggins can play in multiple different schemes. He has good length. Kool-Aid McKinstry is a guy I have my eye on. Kamari Lassiter could raise. And one small school prospect that I do have my eye on is Kenyon Mitchell uh, from Toledo. I put him in the late first of Mach 1.0. He's going to have a chance at the Senior Bowl to prove what he's worth. I think he could be a late first-round pick. He has that much talent. He has decent bulk on the outside. He's really good in man. He has pretty swift feet. He's close. He closes to the ball really quickly. I really like Kenyon Mitchell's game. Uh, but, yeah, Ennis Rakestraw Jr. from uh, Missouri. Yeah. He had a fantastic season. I think he could go first round. So there's a lot of guys I keep an eye on between picks 15 and 25. I think that's where you're going to see the run on corners take place. The Steelers are right in that mix. So yep. it'd be interesting to see if the Steelers are one of those teams that takes one of them in the first round or they decide to wait until the second round, which I think there's some guys on day two that could fit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, the pressure isn't as high to land a CB1 this year because you've got Joey. Yeah. Uh, and so you can do kind of, a few things. And I, this is a position I think that the Steelers should attack in both free agency and the draft. You cannot have too many options at corner. And then also you consider Corey Trice coming back. Uh, this could, this could all of a sudden be a position of immense strength. If the Steelers play their cards right this off season um, and, and land a couple guys here. So I agree with you. Uh, the depth to me is better than the, um, than the top of the draft at, at corner. Um, you, you, you like what you see down the line a little bit. And I think second, third round uh, date, there's going to be a lot of starting corners come out of day two uh, in this draft class um, for uh, that position group. So I, I like that group as well. Um, I like the defensive tackle group in this draft. Uh, I think that there's some, some good depth there. Um, I haven't had the chance to watch a lot of the tape, but I mean, there's some guys down the list that, that look like potential starting caliber defensive tackles i think of a guy like uh brayden fisk from uh uh from fsu who yeah. played really well this season and was kind of a, a vocal leader up front and can do a lot of different things well um you know he not the flashiest guy but just a solid solid defender um there's a lot of those guys at defensive tackle this year um so you know one guy andrew that i, I can't remember i think you had him maybe going to the Steelers in, in a way too early 2024 mock draft. Uh, last year was uh, uh, Mason Smith, uh, the defensive tackle from LSU, who didn't have a great senior season. It's kind of, it wasn't as good. He kind of fallen down a little bit, but a guy maybe you could get in the second round now uh, or 
early third that has a chance to maybe live up to the the billing of earlier in his career. Uh, you've just got some depth there at that group. And again, it's to me, it's not a, a class of, of D tackles where you're like, Ooh, I've got to get this guy in the top 15 picks, but um, you know, back into the first round, second round, third round, uh, that's going to be a good sweet spot for defensive tackle. Uh, any other groups that stand out to you, Andrew, uh, on the defensive side? I don't think there's a great quantity at linebacker, but I think it's better than last year. Last year it was so, so dry at inside linebacker. I think yes. you're going to have options this year. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is my highest rated guy. Yes, he's not the biggest guy. He doesn't have all great length. A lot of people have Edgar and Cooper rated higher than Trotter, and I can understand why he has I the love length. Cooper. <laughs> Edgar and Cooper is a really good player. I like Trotter Jr. better, though, just because we've seen more from him, and I think his potential is still higher despite his, his, his athletic limitations, not saying that he's not a good athlete, but just from a size perspective. Uh, I, I think that Trotter Jr. has the best instincts of any linebacker in the draft. And Junior Colson is a guy we've talked about before. If he yeah. runs under 4-6, you're talking about a guy who's going to move up draft boards because he's such yeah. a sure tackle, maybe the best tackling linebacker in this draft. Uh, other guys that we've talked about, Tyron Hopper from – uh, Missouri, he needs to add some weight, but he's got good speed. Uh, Edefuan Olufosio from Washington. You have a Temple guy and Javon Solomon, who's probably going to be on the edge in the NFL. But there, you have some guys there, whereas last year you didn't. And the combine is where you're going to get a chance to see some of these small school linebackers. And we yeah. continue to see more and more each year. Linebackers a position where you don't have to be at a big-name school to stand out. And to, to, I think that you're going to see some guys that we don't even may not even know their names at this point. They'll either be at the combine or they're going to have an outstanding pro day. And we're going to see them rise into the middle rounds of the draft. Steelers may be able to find a gem there if they miss out on say a Trotter or Edgar and Cooper early on. Yeah, absolutely. I like that group as well. Um, let, let's jump into a group that I don't think is very strong, but I really, really love one guy <laughs> in this group and that's strong safety. Um, you know, they, we've been talking about this now for a couple of years, Andrew, that the, the college game doesn't breed real strong safeties anymore because it's kind of a dying position at that level. Um, there's just so many hybrid players, uh, so many Brian branches and uh, you know, it's just, it's just a dying breed of guys, but Andrew um, I'm, I'm going to mention the school and I, I want you to tell me if, if you know who, who I'm talking about before I'm going to say it. Uh, well, uh, let me mention the conference first. I'm going ACC conference. Um, yes, you know, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? I think. Okay. Uh, Miami. That didn't help me because there's only two options on that team. <laughs> yeah. So I, James Williams. It's James Williams, baby. That that guy is uh, a unicorn at strong safety. Six five people, two twenty. Go watch this guy's highlight film too. He plays every bit of six five, two twenty. He's physical. Um, he's not gonna. He's not a ball hawk, but you don't need him to be a ball hawk at strong safety. Um, I I love what I saw out of this guy, and it's not just the highlights too. It's what he does um, in the design of that defense. And Miami's defense wasn't amazing this year. But I thought he he fit his role really well, and he showed the ability to come up and cover tight ends, to come up and play the run, and uh, for 
a, a really tall guy, he actually gets good pad level in his tackling. He tackles really well. So uh, I just think that that is the type of guy uh, he's going to run pretty well too. I think he's going to run probably in the low five fives. Um, and, and so we'll see how that plays out. But if he runs like that, his stock's going to go up. And uh, I was on the uh, Steelers Q and a with Matty Peverell uh, on Sunday. And we have the same draft crush. It's, 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 uh, it's Williams. And he is, he is a guy to, to watch for sure. Yeah. I love James Williams. One other guy I'll mention that I haven't looked into his tape at all. Like I have Williams, but uh, Tan Oladipo from uh, Oregon State. Oregon State had a solid defense this past year. These are really the only two true strong safeties that we could be considering in the first two days of the draft. Yeah. They really are. And even either of these guys, you're talking probably right now third round. I think the yep. Steelers could get James Williams in the third round right now. And that would be excellent value for what the Steelers need. You have a need at center, right tackle, and linebacker for sure. And depending on what happens with Cameron Hayward, defensive line. Oh, and cornerback too. So you have five major, major needs that need to be addressed like immediately. We're not talking about depth needs at receiver and other positions like that, but five needs. Let's say you fill two of them in free agency. That still leaves you three. Yep. So if you, let's say you, have, you save center for the draft, you sign a right tackle and uh, you just roll with what you have at linebacker, maybe bring in one other guy. You still have to get a CB2. You still have to get a defense line and a cam replacement, and you still need a strong safety. So if you, if you can wait until the third round to get a James Williams, I think you I think you take a player like that at that rate. Again, we'll see how he tests. I think he's going to test below four or five personally, but oh, wow. I yeah. it, I could I could entirely be wrong. That 40 times is going to mean a lot for him. And the, like you said, it, he doesn't have to be a, the guy who gets all the splash plays. That's just going to help the fact. It's going to help the Steelers be able to get him later. Like maybe the Steelers could have gotten with Terrell Edmonds, but either way, Steelers still got a really good player in Terrell Edmonds. People didn't appreciate him like they should have until this past year when they realized, oh, the Steelers really struggled covering the tight end without Terrell Edmonds. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Andrew, just uh, rapid fire me maybe a couple of positions on defense that you're not as high on uh, as far as the depth goes. I only have one, and that's edge rusher. It's not because there isn't a quantity. It's that all the players that were supposed to be great this year were just met. J.C. Yeah. Tuimolo returned to school because he didn't have a great season. Dallas Turner, exactly. good, not great. Christian Braswell, good, not great. They're probably going to grade out about the same. I have a slightly higher grade on Turner. Uh, one guy that I would mention that is listed as an edge rusher, but if he doesn't test fantastic and ends up dropping a little bit on boards is Leatu Latu from UCLA. Yeah, everyone's bringing him as an edge rusher. If the Steelers, if he's there at pick 18, which a lot of mock drafts haven't gone by then, let's say he's sitting there and he has the frame to be able to move inside in the NFL. I say if you're the Steelers and you are sold on his potential, instead of trying to find a 6-1-6-2 guy to play a defensive end role, and that's just not the way the Steelers defense works, get a guy like Latu put 30 pounds on him and try to get him to be that guy who can replace mm -hmm. TM Hayward instead of getting another, uh, what's his face? I can't even think of his name from Texas A&M who uh, has really done nothing for the Steelers so far. Oh, um, uh, Leal. Yeah. Leal. Yeah. I kept thinking meow. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Leal. Uh, the, the, tw the tweeners. Yeah. They don't work in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Don't go for a tweener. If you're going to get, at least find someone who has the frame and can add weight. That's an option out there, but all these yeah. draft guys, Jared Verse, okay, Braylon Trice, okay. I don't see any standouts in this group, and that really disappointed me because it looked like it was going to be a really good pass rusher group. I'm not yeah. so sure about that anymore. 
I like it. Good analysis. Let's close out with this, Andrew. I did a PFN mock draft simulation earlier today, and I was very proud of myself. Now, this is not how it's going to go down um, by the end of the draft, okay? Or by by the time the draft rolls around. There's going to be so many changes between now and then as far as uh, how these players are evaluated and where they're going to end up. But say that this is how it goes. Would you be happy with this draft class, Andrew? At one or at 20, uh, I took uh, Amarius Mims, offensive tackle. At 51 in the second round, I took Edron Cooper. He lasted all the way to 51 in this in this mock. So uh, at 84, I took James Williams. All right. Uh, At uh, 115, so their first pick in the first in the fourth round, they actually have two back to back in the fourth round this season, unless that changes as they make trades and whatnot over the course of the offseason here. Uh, the first of their fourth round picks, I had them taking Braden Fisk from FSU uh, and then landing Joe Milton at quarterback with their second fourth round pick. If for some reason Milton were to land around uh, last till the fourth round and you've got two picks in that round, uh, I could see the Steelers making a play that seems to me like the sweet spot. If the Steelers are going to take a quarterback yeah. in the draft here, that second pick in the fourth round sounds like a spot where they could do that. Um, what do you think of that that uh, little simulation there, uh, four round mock? I, I thought it was solid. I the only thing is, I obviously center wasn't addressed, but you can't address every need, right. especially when it's only four exactly. rounds. So I don't. I, that, I would have a hard time complaining about that, not knowing what their numbers are at this point. Yeah. I, I liked it. That was a solid mock. Well, there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Steelers Fix uh, this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back again, and we'll be talking more offseason for the Steelers. Uh, we might look at some some coaching situations. I know Andrew had mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago talking about some of the offensive staff and uh, you know when the new OC gets in, uh, who are we replacing and, and things like that. So we might dive into that next week. Uh, it could be a really good and pertinent topic for us so we'll keep that in mind if something were to come up though you know you can count on us to uh get you all the latest on the pittsburgh steelers uh stay tuned to the steel curtain network for more of the same um and there is so much on the steel curtain network if you're not checking us out online on the written side go do that uh andrew puts out a great article every week following up on this podcast and he's going to be doing a lot with the draft coming up uh i just did or i just submitted yesterday my uh, part one of my game plan for the Pittsburgh Steelers offseason here, and it has everything to do with coaching. So you'll take a look at that uh, when that pops up. Um, Andrew, anything else coming up for you that you'd like to mention before we pop out of here? Not a whole lot. We'll, we'll, once we get through the Senior Bowl, we'll have more draft breakdowns, yep. more analysis. The big board's going to be coming up probably right at the beginning of February. So we'll have more information coming out on that. And again, if you have interest in contributing, reach out to Jeremy at the best 93 and let us know that you'd like to contribute and we can get you involved. Absolutely. We'll talk to you guys next time here on the Steelers Fix. For Andrew Wilbar, I'm Jeremy Betts. See you next week.